You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and also learn a little bit of Zen along the way. All right, we have a very special guest on today's episode. If you looked at the title and said, no way, well, Yahweh, we really do have Maka, Chris McCormick. The two-time Kona Ironman world champion and also just one of the biggest personalities in the sport. He's always got lots to say about what's going on and we talk about so much stuff. We talk about Super League and how that got started, the inspiration for it all, where it's going, what's been going on with some of the uh, recent races and also about Kona because Kona is Saturday. And a lot of episodes, I would usually add the training log and some uh, Zen concepts and so on. But I just recorded this a couple of nights ago, and I've been working on trying to get this out as fast as I can so that you have his opinions on what's going, going to happen at Kona. I want to get the show out as quickly as possible. So this, this episode is pretty much just the interview with Maka. About Kona, we talk about Lionel Sanders, uh, Jan Ferdino, Pete Jacobs is back. We talk about Alistair Brownlee and when he's going to do Kona, if he should do Kona. And Maka has a lot of opinions, as always, on these guys and a lot of insider information, which is really cool. And also, I have some uh, some information and, and uh, opinions, for example, on Lionel Sanders that... Uh, you might find interesting as well. Uh, we also talk about how to use rivalries in sports to make the uh, sport more popular and get uh, the pros some higher pay. We talk about Alistair Brownlee being just like one of the best commentators we've ever seen and the future of disc breaks uh, because those are popping up on the scene all the time now. And also we talk a little bit about Conor McGregor, this whole rivalries thing. Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, uh, Floyd Mayweather, and let's see, I should uh, go ahead and put the explicit tag on now. Uh, Maka curses a lot on a lot of this just normal everyday chatter, and <laughs> so I just started cursing right from the beginning to, uh, to make him feel more comfortable, and I don't know how much he actually does if it's more me than him, but anyway... Uh, it's not terrible. It's just every very rarely, but there's a bad word or two in there. And we are dealing with a very long distance phone call. It's over Skype, but he's in Thailand, Phuket, Thailand, and I'm here in Texas. So his uh, connection sounds um, it sounds good at, good enough at first, and then I don't know thirty something minutes in, it starts getting worse. But he's saying some really important stuff. So hang tight because it does get better. Uh, just when you think you can't take it anymore, then it gets worse. <laughs> but, but 
we start over the phone call and then it clears up again. It's just, it just drops out kind of here and there. So that's a little meta for you about if you, if the uh, sound quality is bothering you, believe me, it was driving me crazy too. But Mac is so important in the industry that, uh, and we're also, this is the second attempt at a phone call because of time change. He's 12 hours ahead. So when we're scheduling things, he's literally the next day. So I'm calling him at night. It's, it's his, I'm calling him, you know, like Tuesday night and, and uh, it's his Wednesday morning, for example, and uh, organize scheduling these things is really tough. So, uh, you know, we just got to go with what we got and make it make it work. A lot like Iron Man, <laughs> you just gotta make it, gotta make it work and do what you can because the uh, the content is so good. You just gotta deal with the quality a little bit. Yeah, I think that's uh, about it. We'll get started with the episode. Uh, I'm gonna mix in uh, bike of the week and some other stuff. Uh, Bike of the week during the show, some other stuff, and then uh, some follow-up thoughts, some analysis on what Maka said after the show. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Here is Kona, Ironman, world champion, two times. Maka, Chris McCormick. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. All right, there you are. There you go. Yep. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. I was like, oh, shit, Mac is calling me. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, no worries. All right, cool, man. Let's see. You ready to go ahead and start rolling? Let's rock and roll. All Let's right. Rock. Cool. I've got Chris McCormick on the phone here, and you're in uh, Phuket. Is that how I say it? Yeah, Phuket, Thailand. Oh man, that sounds so cool. And then uh, setting up the call, we uh, are trying to sync up. You said you were trying to get your, I think you said your daughter to school and stuff. And Yeah, my daughter and son and my wife's <laughs> taking my eldest daughter back to Australia. So yeah. it's been busy, that's you, for sure. So back, back here in Golden. You, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you sound so much like an age grouper now. <laughs> yeah, I... I I think I'm less than an age, but I don't do half the train. I don't do enough training anymore. I'm too busy running around doing everything else, but enjoying it, I must admit. Yeah. Well, I saw you said something about that you're biking a lot, at least, right? Yeah, doing way more biking than I than I did before. I, I don't miss the swimming component of triathlon at all. <laughs> no. I, I, vividly, yeah, I vividly remember as a pro saying, only three more years of swimming and I'm done. Oh, my gosh. Wow, really? <laughs> Yeah, cycling, and I just don't, you know, I, th- I guess growing up in Australia, we grew up swimming, and yeah. I don't miss the, I, I do miss the camaraderie of the squad, I guess, but I don't so much miss those 5 a.m. mornings and and uh, and getting yelled at by the by my old coach. Uh, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy the getting up, bike riding with the friends, a nice coffee, and and uh, a couple of runs with my wife. It's 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 a much more enjoyable lifestyle. Yeah, I don't know why swim teams, it's the same thing here in Texas. I grew up on swim teams. Why do they always have to be at like 5.30 a.m.? I don't get <laughs> Yeah. It's the worst. Everyone's got everyone's to go to school. All the good kids, all the good swimmers are all school age. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. So uh, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to get you on is to talk about Super League and also about uh, your riding uh, the book that you wrote, uh, gosh, it must be a few years back. Uh, I'm here to yeah. win. 
yeah. was so good. And I wanted to talk to you about the competitiveness that you mentioned and these like rivalries and stuff that triathlon needs. You bring that up every once in a while. That's a really good point. And, yeah. and, but let's talk about uh, Super League. And sure. I was, uh, I was on the trainer the other day as I tend to do. <laughs> and so I'm looking around for videos and I've, I've been hearing about Super League and seeing like maybe like a clip here or two, you know, and I was like, well, I'm going to sit down and actually watch some of this footage and it was on YouTube and it was the women's race and it was fantastic. And I, I was mad at myself for waiting for so long to watch it. Yeah, uh, you should. Hamilton Island as well. I'm going to. I'm so glad that that you've done this this thing where you've you've got it out on YouTube as well. I don't I don't know why. I've been doing podcasting since forever, and like watching how long it took for uh, corporations to jump on board, you know, and also with like MP3s and like record companies trying to hold everything tight to their chest and and not let stuff out there. Uh, until just recently just drives me crazy because it's another it's another platform to advertise on and so i don't know why they try to do that but so seeing that you put stuff out on youtube you allowed that uh was so smart and um it makes it so accessible for everybody yeah Uh, yeah i I think yeah i I love that you call me smart i wish my dad was listening to this deep down i told you i was smart um (laughs) No, I. Um, My dad's still waiting. Yeah, <laughs> for me, it was, um, you know, I guess, you know, why Super League? I guess when you re- you retire from a sport and you, uh-huh. and you, uh, you know, you reflect and you start looking at all the things, you know, I guess as everyone gets older, they start to become more nostalgic. It was so much better back then than it is now. And I never really wanted to be that guy. I, I wanted to, to not. You know, I guess as an athlete, you're always implementing change to be better and better and better. And then what I find that older athletes, especially in this sport, and a lot of my peers, I won't name them, but uh, I found them, I found them frustrating because as they get older, their, their whole everything that made them an athlete, when they apply it to the real life, it, it seems to be the complete opposite. They become whingers and complainers, and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, what are you going to do to bring change? But right. because that change is not necessarily related to them anymore. It may be related to a bigger thing being the sport that's given you so much. They just tend to complain. I'm so much better back then, and oh, this guy's hopeless, and oh, let's, let's talk about Mark and Dave, and let's go. like, yeah. I'm like, guys. So I was never, never about that. So with Super League, I, I tended to agree with the common consensus within my sport, especially as I aged out of it. That it, at a professional level, it was moving in a in in what I perceived to be a a very flat plateau direction if not falling off a cliff for many of the professionals and and no one was despite talking and complaining about it i, I used to speak to a lot of my peers what are we going to do about it mm. and uh, no one really wanted to step up and i think my first walk into this space is when we we looked at launching the bahrain endurance team i'd spent some time in the middle east and and came up with a, a team concept, which was nothing new to the sport, but really just a, an ability to, to show triathlon in a certain light and that these great ambassadors of the sport could could bring awareness and, and change to an area of the world if we, if we treated them right and did it right. And, and on that journey, I, was, I realized it wasn't so much the sport. The sport was big and relevant at a professional level. It was the platforms that didn't allow you to bring a true return on investment for sponsors 
and and a true return on investment for people who are engaged in this sport because mm-hmm. they're you know Ironman despite being a, a fantastic participation sport when you look at the sheer numbers of people doing the sport globally it's a million people you get more in the London Marathon right like it's right. it's nothing yeah so you realise when you when you walk away that all these complaints that were happening <clears throat> when you were in the sport you're an ink spot of a sport. So in, in order to bring true change and true value to a professional, we need to, to look at the sport itself, look at the business models and, 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 and rebuild it. And so for me, Super League came out of, out of you know, four years of work here in Asia and, and doing the Bahrain team, building a big sports centre here, saying, look, if I can change the platform, if I can bring TV production, if I can, if I can reduce the amount of people start to, to, to drive athlete-first content, and, and try and make some stars and, and, and create formats that are interesting for television that the networks are going to pick up, then we'll, we may be going somewhere. Now, we, we looked at this before the Rio Olympic Games. Everybody in the sport told me I was an idiot. It's never going to happen. You're a goose. And why don't you just go back to your retirement village and build your centre in Thailand and, and just go away? And me and my business partners were like, no, we, we actually believe that this is the way forward. We... We moved about launching our first event in Hamilton Island. We sold off all our TV rights. We changed all the formats. We made it short and dynamic. We sat with Fox Sports, with BN Sports, with mm-hmm. Tencent in China. We sat with Red Bull and asked them what they are looking for content-wise to put on television. Why is triathlon not a television product? And oh, just, wow. And it, yeah, continually came back. It's boring. It's... Um, it's too long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very, very vanilla in the sense that there is no, it's very predictable. So these are the things when we're designing the DNA of Super League, the things we had to eliminate because it's not up to triathletes. We're fans of the sport, but we're not the people that drive the growth. We love it. Anytime triathlon's on television, everyone goes, oh, thank God, it's on. We'll watch it. So we wanted to look at, at expanding the audience. So we launched in Hamilton Island, which I thought was a brilliant launch. Um, and we, we only launched with the men there because we wanted to showcase and show what we're doing as a brand. Um, we ran three formats that we discussed heavily with certain TV partners on, on, on around that predictability and, and changing up who can win races. And we were learning as we went. And it was the most watched triathlon in television history. We surpassed the Olympic Games. It was it was marvelous. And uh, and suddenly everyone became a believer. And suddenly I was getting emails from the ITU and I'd done uh, and suddenly all the, the pros with their hand out were whinging oh where's the women's race you're a sexist pig <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that <laughs> like, like I was like far out two, two months ago you didn't want to know me yeah now I'm trying to implement true change and in typical professional athlete fashion you run out with your hands out because you think I owe you something and uh, so we, 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 we proved concept Obviously, post that event, we started working with production partners who realised there was some value in triathlon in this space, and uh, and we had the IMGs, the Lagadiers, the, these sort of partners, and we went about starting to shop triathlon in this new format, this new spectator-friendly, TV-friendly format, and and where it was a closed league, where we owned the athletes, we owned the events, we owned the TV production, and and Jersey was the next journey in that step, where we brought the women to the racing. We had a tight circuit and huge success, Matt, Matt, bigger than bigger than Hamilton Island. And uh, and that's just basically the catalyst of what it was all about. It was exactly like you said, sitting on your trainer, understanding who these athletes are, 
a lot closer vision where I, I see their faces. I thought on day one on Hamilton Island, there was, you know, a lot of our production partners had done triathlon in the past and I was yelling at them and screaming, I don't want these long shots, I don't want these long holds, I want face. Who mm-hmm. is Katie Zafaris? Who is um, Melanie Santos? Tell me, I want to see their face because people follow people and, and UFC have done this very, very successfully and we're not trying to reinvent the world, we're trying to create an entertainment product out of a sport that has a pretty good core following and we can grow that because it's an entertainment piece. Now, I think that's that's basically the vision of Super League and, and to some degree now people are going, okay, this is not a bad way of doing it, but up until this point, People just thought I was off my head, but people thought that when I was an athlete as well. This guy's a big mouth and he's an idiot, but it's just part of my DNA. I don't like to sit in a corner and and and, and say something's possible. I'd rather try and find out if that's the case. And, and as we move to this journey of Super League, I think the feedback from the athletes is the professionalism that we brought to the table for them, the way we treat them. Um, the TV companies are like, wow, this is a way forward for your sport because we're just not interested in anything else. It's too long. If you're looking at the Olympic Games, even the ITU is having to shorten their format. Mm-hmm. People's attention spans, the way they consume media now is a lot smaller. So um, I think we're on the right path. You know, obviously, I, I didn't anticipate a lot of the hurdles I would face on the journey. I thought as triathletes, people are like, oh, wow, Mac is implementing something cool. But as I realized when I... Uh, when I left the professional sport, it's, it's it's just it's just part and parcel of of, of triathletes. We we we're happy at, at this administrative level and and not so, and I guess at the pro level to some degree too, they're they're happy to pick up the crumbs that others leave behind instead of leading, you know. And it's just not it's just not in a triathlon's triathlete's mindset as athletes. Yet they seem to live it outside that space, which is always frustrating. Yeah, it was uh, triathlon was kind of doing the same thing that professional cycling does where it's very it's gotten in a weird way kind of traditionalist and when you were trying to do something new uh triathlon did something weird and tried to say no that's different i'm not really sure we want to go that way and but you had a vision with uh i don't know much about this but this formula one stuff in australia like in the 90s was these were like really fast format races is that where you had your you got your idea from yeah, well, the, to some degree, we, we uh, I grew up in that in Australia, mm-hmm. and, and you know, as I said earlier, you become quite nostalgic. You start looking back at your career when you get older, and, and what were those turning pivotal moments in in your own career, and and I guess in in, in Australia's capacity, why was Australia such a dominant nation back then? And and a, and a group of people came along um, called Online, um, Damien Bray and his brothers, who are who I've spent a lot of time with now here in Singapore. And they came up with this short, dynamic concept for TV. Um, what they were looking for in Australia was the ability to, to put triathlon events on at the beaches when there's massive groups of people. But that, as they discovered, it, it's not rocket science. They weren't, they weren't triathletes themselves. They were like, look, I need little short, dynamic circuits. I need to build a stadium. And these guys can swim, bike, and run. And so they weren't attached to any preconceived idea of what triathlon was. Yeah. They just went, boom, let's do it like this. And it rated out of the park. It went off the Richter scale, and it it single-handedly delivered you athletes like myself, Greg Bennett, Peter Robertson, uh, Greg Welsh, Brad Bevan. That golden era of Australian triathlon came because of this series. Now, what ultimately happened was the, the ITU and Triathlon Australia um, 
consumed it and, and smothered it and said they were trying to get into the Olympics at that point, so they wanted to make sure they look, that they retained control of the sport. And here was this rogue, rogue series, despite doing wonderful things to, yeah. to, to, to grow the sport in a nation and to, and to harness talent. They saw it as a threat and they shut it down very, very quickly. So it, in the period oh. that it was, it was, it was marvellous. And, and that was sort of the catalyst of discussion with, with my business partners here. It was like, look, it's not rocket science. And, and, and that was really reinforced when we sat with the Foxes and the ESPNs and these, these, these think tanks and asked them straight up, because no one in triathlon's ever done it. They've tried to stuff the model down TV people's throat and they just they zone out. So they cut these eight-hour Ironman packages into 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it makes no sense. And, and we listened and they were actually, and when we told them, I told them about that Formula One style racing we did, they were like, that's how you need to do it. You need to bring that style back. You need to embrace that. And uh, so we looked at, you know, our formats are very, very different, but in many ways very similar to, to what they did, the fundamental thing of tight circuits, multi-loops, a, a footprint in a, in, a, in a major city of, of no bigger than a mile. So it's it's all contained and, 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 and we've just tried to add some elements of corporate hospitality, corporate mix, um, junior events and, and, and create that festival around a around a small footprint and uh, and but it all, it all definitely as you said it all grew out of my reflection on what were those best days of my racing career what did I enjoy the most and where did I feel the most involved and attached to a sport that was truly professional in, in that sense yeah. and they did that better than anybody yeah you know <clears throat> I grew up in a uh, in a town that had bike paths everywhere, right? So I know that it's it's possible. This is sort of related to what you're talking about. I've seen it. I've seen the vision, and I've seen it succeed. And then the town I live in now, I'm on a uh, I'm a member on a bike path planning committee, and all I hear is no. They're like, well, no, we can't do that. It's just we we just can't talk to these people. It just can't happen. We can't connect these intersections. But the fact that I've seen it, <laughs> yeah. I'm like. You guys are not listening, and I'm super passionate about it. And if I had the power, like in the situation that you're in, you know, I would I would make it happen because I, I've seen what it what success actually looks like. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, but so, the, fact that you're, the fact that you're on that committee and pushing, you know, as a, I keep talking about, because I'm no longer a professional athlete, and sometimes mm-hmm. is until you step out of that professional athlete realm, do you realize how self consumed you were. And you never really took time to look around. And then the fact that you're on that community pushing is courageous in itself. And, and that's what I'm realizing. A lot of people are not yeah. courageous enough to, to push, right? Because yeah. they, they, for whatever reason. And, uh, and, I, and, and, and I guess that's, that's what I've it's, 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 it's a mindset. All right. We need to hop in on this interview with Chris McCormick real quick to mention one of our sponsors – Velo Insurance Bike Insurance, and they bring us the, the bike, bike of, of the, the week. week. We're not going to do the bike of the week theme music since we're squeezing this in with an interview. But uh, stay tuned for next episode where you can hear that music again. It's one of my favorite tracks we got on the show. But we have a new bike from Quintana Roo. And the only thing I really didn't like about the existing Quintana Roo Superbike, their TT bike, is that the front brake wasn't integrated into the front end. It wasn't like a hidden front brake. So their stock front brake had the 
the cable thing kind of hanging off the side. So then you needed to get a uh, different front brake for it to be truly aero. And then that would have a cable still running center line, but still, uh, and tri-rig makes those brakes. Those are pretty cool. But still, it was kind of like, man, you guys could do, you could do it, man. You could make an integrated front brake. Well, at Kona, they dropped, all these bikes come out right before Kona, by the way. They dropped some some news. They I think they first started posting it on Instagram, and then you could start seeing some pictures. They didn't just put a front brake like integrated into the front end, you know, hidden under the carbon, you know, by the stem and the headset and all that. No, they just bypassed that whole thing and went straight to disc brakes. So now the front end is super clean, and it's got disc brakes and. Disc brakes have been proven in the Polkadotti, wind tunnels King of the Mountain. Let's go, King of the Mountain. Come on, let's go. About the same as uh, he know what it is. maybe <laughs> the same as a regular caliper brakes. But on top of that is they have proven over and over again that if you're riding any kind of technical terrain whatsoever going into, into turns or if it's wet, you are faster with disc brakes. And I have disc brakes on my mountain bike. And that was a game changer uh, when they started putting those on there. All of a sudden, my hands weren't tired anymore from descending. And I could just ride and ride and ride. And the disc brakes just have awesome stopping power. So then on top of that, the PR6, if you don't know about it, the Quintana Roo PR6 is, let's see, it's got the really clean uh, stem to bento box transition. Uh, it's nice and smooth. And I love that. Absolutely love it. The whole bike is its claim to fame is I think you can disassemble it for travel with two Allen wrenches. That's all you need. And that is huge. That is one thing where I'm like, man, clean up the front end of this thing so that I can, uh, I could get this bike because of the, um, the, the fact that it's so easy to work on is really great. And it's got the storage box on the back on the seat tube uh, where it fills the gap between the rear wheel and the frame, which is awesome. And on top of that, the storage box on the back has a red blinky light built in. So you don't have to go look for it, you know, before every ride. You can just turn it on, push a button, and it works. And that's really cool just to have it built in uh, there all the time. So this is putting uh, the PR6 into... I wonder if I should start ranking these bikes. I'm like, you know, would I would I buy it? Uh, you know, no, maybe, uh, yeah, or hell yeah. I would hell yeah buy this bike. It is perfect. It's it's everything you need. Of course, you may like a different bike for you know different reasons. But as far as non-draft, uh, long distance endurance uh, bike riding, triathlon, this one's got it all. It's really really great. Okay, so. Let's go ahead and mention Velosurance Bike Insurance, the company that brought us Bike of the Week. If you have an expensive bike or bikes, your homeowner's insurance may not cover it. And when you go check, if they can't really answer you, imagine what it's like after your bike's been wrecked or stolen about trying to get to the bottom of all that. And Velosurance specializes in bike insurance. That's all that they do, and it's run by cyclists. And, uh, in fact, you can contact Dave at Velosurance.com and get him to give you a quote. 
I had Velo Assurance when I traveled to Canada. You can get policies uh, for uh, all kinds of stuff. It's uh, it's just man, we sink so much money into these bikes. And what if somebody steals it off the back of your car? You know, you, you're doing the back of the car bike rack thing, trying to keep your bike nice and safe so it doesn't get chips of uh, paint and stuff like that. What happens if somebody in traffic behind you isn't paying attention? Somebody in a monster F-350, like everybody wants to drive around here in Texas, with a cattle guard on the front. I'm looking at one right now. There's one in front of me. <laughs> Four-wheel drive F-350 with a cattle guard on the front of it, right? And uh, it, what if it bumps into the back of your, your vehicle? It's going to smash your bike. So you definitely want to invest in a little bit of bike insurance on your bike. Imagine if you had to replace it all at once, right? And that's what insurance does, is it, it protects you from having to uh, pay out of pocket everything all at once to get back to biking. That would just be devastating. So, all right, contact them, Velosurance Bike Insurance. Dave at VeloSurance.com. Tell them Brett is in Try sent you. They send me emails whenever somebody goes and says that they uh, they came from here, and they they like it, and it lets them know where where you're coming from, and to help keep sponsoring the show. Okay, let's get back to Chris McCormick and our chat about everything triathlon. Here we go. So some feedback I've heard from the uh, and I've seen myself from Formula or uh, Super League is the somebody said you can actually hear the hands slapping the water while people are swimming and yeah you've got a microphone and a camera but some some people would just stop at the camera but no there's a microphone like in the almost in the water with them while they're swimming and it just brings it alive and there's actually water droplets like hitting the camera lens while these people are swimming and then I, I was watching and I wasn't uh, too familiar with the actual layout and I was like okay the the first part of the race is over they did a swim bike run but there's yep. still more time in the video what is happening what are they doing and they were lining up and then they started off with doing uh, it in, in reverse <laughs> yes and I was just like holy shit they're really gonna do that and it's like why not right you can you can do whatever you want when you yes. set up the, the rules and then I'm watching another video, and I'm like, is that Alistair Brownlee commentating on this? And, and not only that, he was amazing. He fantastic. is fantastic. And what he was doing, I think I heard you talk about this on another uh, interview, is you, you were giving direction after day or during day one. You know, no, guys, you got to do it like this to make it more entertaining. You were saying, mm -hmm. like, like, having the uh, commentators like narrate a little bit more about what's actually happening, like piece by piece. Can you yeah, explain exactly. that a little bit? Yeah, well, ba basically what I, what, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting you said that that format you're talking about is called the triple mix. So uh, mm -hmm. under Super League, what we first did was created five different formats, one being the triple mix as an equalizer format. If you go and watch Hamilton Island race, we, we showcase three formats. There's a triple mix, equalizer, enduro, eliminator, and sprint pursuit. Mm -hmm. All different styles and formats to suit different strengths of athletes, and over time will educate people. You know, triathletes we're hoping will be first adopters because they know the sport, but people will start to understand it. And, and we really copied that off um, winter biathlon. So, for people in Europe that may know winter biathlon, 10, 10 years ago, this sport was dead, dead in the water. No one did it. 
And this was basically one of the key reasons why we wanted to bring change because uh, an investor came into that sport many years ago. It is now behind football in winter, the most watched television product in Europe. Right? Behind really? Football. I didn't know that. It, and they changed the formats. They bought them on the circuits. They had the suits, and they were athlete-driven. So we're not trying to do anything that hasn't not only been done in other sports but been done successfully and brought monumental change at a professional level. Sponsorship dollars in that sport are up 4,000%, uh-huh. 4,000% in 10 years, right? But it took courage for this guy to come into this sport, and he actually was the same. He was a former athlete who was very successful in business and came back to the sport. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what I... When I watched the, the winter biathlons and what I wanted to show, show in, in, in triathlon was two things. These athletes are remarkable. They are remarkable athletes. Um, number two, that the sport can be exciting and yet still try to stay true to the core key elements of swimming, biking and running, mm-hmm. but, but testing an athlete's ability in those and, 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 and making sure there's unpredictability. Now, if anyone who goes back and watches the Hamilton Island event, and you, you mentioned Alistair Brownlee, we, we paid a huge prize money, $100,000 for the winner back then, mm. and uh, so we, we brought all the athletes down. Alistair, and, and he'll be the first one to say it, when he came down, like he would when he was building in any season, he was probably 80% fit. But what he quickly discovered in Super League was you get exposed very, very quickly. It's not like an ITU event where you can build through the swim and, and just sort of sit above your aerobic capacity and sort of hide on the bike a little bit and swap a couple of turns and then and, and then run a, a, a solid 10K and finish second or third, in Alistair's case, because and, and, and use racing to find your form, which cyclists do all the time. In Super League, you're either on form or you're off form. He finished 19th. He was lapped. His yeah, no. <laughs> His worst triathlon performance... Uh, <laughs> Long time, yeah. Uh, he he sat yeah. with us after the race. He's like, "Shit, man! Like, uh, mate, I just could not. I could. It was just so aggressive, so fast, because every it was mistake free racing, mm-hmm. and uh, he loved it. He's like, sign me up to the next event. Now, unfortunately for him, he, he just he had his hamstring operated on, but he came down and said, "Look, I'll be part of the commentary team at Super League, and uh, and he's been a huge." value add to what we're doing and a, and a huge believer in this as a, as, a, as a concept he's like finally this is racing this is this is what triathlon the evolution triathlon needs to take without disrespecting Ironman or ITU in any way shape or form mm-hmm. just a professional league that still supports that Olympic move, that Olympic movement and, and the Ironman racing in the future but a, 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 a style and format that people can relate to that's consumable to, to the non-triathlete Making athletes famous, giving them some value, and uh, and and reducing that predictability where it is never over till it's over. And I think the ITU has lost that. You know, I came for that ITU era where the world champion was crowned on a day. You had to be successful and win a world title on a day, and, right. and you won you won the World Cup series, which was also very very important. Now the world champions uh, won over the series, which is you know it's arguable. Um, but, you know, you're getting guys finishing fourth on the last day and they're being crowned world champion. And, and the world title is basically decided three three races before the end of the season. So it becomes mundane. And so with our point systems and the way we're doing it and communicating with the athletes, this is never over till it's over. <laughs> and you can go from the pink jersey, which is the leader's jersey, to fifth in the series in a, in a click of the finger. So... What's the what's the tagline for Super League? Because it's not over till it's over would be a good one. 
<laughs> we, we haven't really got that far. Like I said, we're, we're a small team. We're a yeah. very driven team. And, and uh, you know, we're just in Malta for a potential event. We just came back from Bali. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we would love to deliver an event in Sydney. We've launched a qualifier race in Penticton. Right. Um, yeah. So what... But was there something in Antigua as well? Did I hear that? Antigua, we were supposed to, you know, have an event on December four, but Antigua just got hit by Hurricane Irma. Oh yeah. So then, yeah. So that they cancelled our December four next round, um, which freed up the athletes' time, and um, we're looking at rescheduling a date in Antigua. That's undecided on when, but all contracts and everything have been signed, and. Um, and it's just a matter of them rebuilding where they're at. And that was a real tragedy because that would have been a beautiful course down in English Harbour. Right. And a beautiful venue. Yeah. So what's yeah. your what's your stance? Um, the, the women's race had um, uh, some crashes, which is actually makes for great viewing. <laughs> it's unfortunate <laughs> for them. But the, uh, uh, the disc brake situation, I just wanted to ask you that real quick. Uh, you know, disc brakes have come along in this kind of right after you got out of being a pro. Is yep. what's your feeling on disc brakes and and uh, should they be in racing? I watched some of the video closely to see if I could see any bikes with discs on them, and I didn't. And um, yeah, I, I I actually ride a disc brake specialized at the moment, uh-huh. uh, and I uh, I actually like it. Right, I uh, I never thought I would. I was a bit of a purist in that sense, going ah, no, never, never again. But I actually don't mind it. You know, I, I think I think. Uh, in, in triathlon, we've always pushed the elements, right? We've always been first adopters, and, and we've, we've, as a sport, unbeknownst to a lot of people, implemented a lot of the changes that are now commonplace in in inside. We brought the aero bars out. We brought, you know, we, we, were, we were doing aero helmets a lot before a lot of other people. We, we've always been pushing the envelope, and I, you know, I, I haven't raced on them. I find them fantastic in training, but I, I've never raced on them. Um, I'm all for whatever. I've always said throw it to the to the pro panel. Like the pros are racing on them, have them decide. Like why should an administrator decide yeah. what is best and worst for professionals, right? Yeah. And that's that's always been, um, you know, my 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 headspace within you know working with Olympic organisations and that that you know your decisions are dependent upon administrators who a lot of the time have never sweated or bled in the race in their life, right. and they're making these me- mega calls. So. Um, Put it out to the pro panel and have them decide, and yeah. uh, and and implement whatever they decide. I'm the same way too, and we have issues at work. I'm always like, why don't we ask the people that it affects? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty simple. And you know? then you can't get any uh, blowback from them. You know, you just ask them how they want to do it, and then it's great. I think, I think if you empower people in that way, you get a lot more. Um, I think you get a lot more support. They believe they're part of the decision-making process, and and they're part of the the, the future of the future direction of, of the sport they partake in. So, I um yeah, I'm a big believer in that myself. So let's talk a little bit about this. Um, I like to call it the magic of rivalries. And yes. you know, I love. I grew up. I went to a, a military school, and we did boxing and a little bit of yeah. martial arts stuff. And then uh, when UFC came along and I noticed it in the 90s, I was like, this is amazing, because it was like, back then they would do like a boxer versus a sumo wrestler. It was just like this insane, (laughs) this insane kind of stuff. And then now it's kind of turned into a, um, a, you know, very professional, uh, its own sport in its own right, which I called, I called triathlon the the mixed martial arts of endurance sports, because you got to be good at everything. And, 
the the interesting thing though is UFC MMA for people that don't know UFC is a brand of MMA just like Ironman is a brand of triathlon it seems mm-hmm. to be until very recently it's still kind of suffering like this identity crisis where you've got these top athletes that aren't getting paid anything like what boxing's getting paid and yeah. just like triathlon these guys boxing's fantastic but boxers know one sport these guys know jiu-jitsu and boxing and kickboxing and like all this mixed together and wrestling it's unbelievable what they know and how much they train yet yep. their payouts are minuscule minuscule yeah minuscule uh i'm trying to say it correctly anyway compared to yep. what boxing pays out it's a tragedy it's just like professional triathlon and but then you see the weigh-ins and a lot of times up, up until McGregor came along, people are so nice to each other. They just want to get along and buddy-buddy. Uh, and then yeah. McGregor comes along and just start, starts talking shit like you would not believe. And it, people just loved it. And they ate Chinese. it up. And the, the, the paydays, the, well, I guess it's from, um, what is that, pay-per-view. Yes, uh, uh, viewings just started going up and up and up and it's kind of like it's like uh trump right it's just like people just want to tune in to see what he's going to say next exactly <laughs> it's, 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 you know, the, the, the thing and it's been my frustration it was my frustration when i was a, a professional and, and to some degree it's my frustration now with sport and, and, and it, it was this drop promotion is basic right you need to pick two sides a villain and a hero and it depends what side you sit on depends on how you view the individual choose create create a conflict and people pick a side and they engage in the outcome right that's that's the basic rule of promotion it's never changed since since the gladiators right right but for some reason in sport came all this political correctness and certain ways to say things that I think there's an underlying feeling. I, 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 I turn off, you know, the rugby league in Australia. And full credit to the. I, I can tell you that the, the the athlete interview before they even do it. You know, the guy mm. puts the full credit to the boys. It was a team effort, and uh, you know, it's like, oh, come on, you know, there's no passion. And sport is not. Yes, it's big business. And what tends to happen is business applies business rules and you know to a passion-driven sport, and unfortunately, that's the killer of it. Right, the business needs to exist in the background, and the, and the passion side needs to be done well. And boxing has always stayed true to that. This is why boxers mm-hmm. make a shitload of money. Floyd Mayweather, and whether you like them or not, they're self-promoters. They promote the war. They bring out twenty-four-seven, and they create this this whole thing. They're not politically correct. <laughs> That's part of each it. Other. Yeah. And, and even the people go, oh, these guys are pigs. I don't care. It's, but they still tune in. And, and Conor McGregor realized that very, very quickly. When he came, he was like a, a breath of fresh air to yeah. UFC. You had, you had great guys in George St. Pierre and remarkable athletes, but their interviews were very, very flat. So you didn't inspire anybody outside the UFC. You just catered to that core group. When Conor came along, and, and an Australian athlete called uh, Anthony Mundine did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He people couldn't believe what this guy was saying. People couldn't <laughs> believe that 
out the UFC, even my wife, who's got no interest in boxing, because oh, this guy's off his head, this guy's insane. And that is promotion. And when you put someone like him and Floyd Mayweather together, two big mega promoters, you get what you saw. And, and if people, you know, people look at that and they say, oh, this is amazing, they should be getting that much money. And, mate, it paid for itself, right? They're only getting that much money because they're selling that much. They don't right. just get it and someone left in a hole. So it works. Yet they, when, we, when we view it from the outside, we now look at that event and, and we, we revert back to what's normal. What's the Kona coverage right now? It's a love fest. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, well, there's there's no difference between it and then just you and I going out for a, a bike ride, you know. Yeah. It's just like it's just people just exercising. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and and, and rivalries are critical in everything, right? Yeah. And and uh, they're they're critical to inspire youth. Cri- I, I got into sport because I vividly remember. Um, being a seven-year-old kid, and my father sat me down, and we watched the 1980 Olympic Games, and I, it's sort of my first sporting memory. And there was Steve Ovet and Sebastian Coe, uh-huh. right? and and my older brother and father telling me these two guys hate each other. <laughs> I, I I engaged in it, but it just yeah. really. Well, what if he loses? Or what if you know, it's just simple one versus the other? And I was captivated by the Olympic Games, captivated by these two athletes, and I followed their careers. And and I and I always sided with Sebastian Coe, right? My older brother loves Steve Ovet. And oh, that's we, part of it, yeah. Yeah, and the same came with Dave and Mark, and and what and and, and myself and Norman and myself and Crowe to some degree, because uh-huh. when we talk about Ali, we talk about every, but Ali would never have been Muhammad Ali without Liston and, and Frazier and, and Foreman, and it's it's the rivalries that made him great. And Conor McGregor is massive now because of Aldo, and now because of Mayweather because of the people he fought, and, and yet we seem to shy away in sport, especially our sport, and, and a lot of sports now, in this, in this vanilla space of of just existing, a you know, grand race, and it was fantastic, and everyone calls that professionalism, which mm. to some degree it is, but in order, to, in these third tier sports like we exist in, because everyone's like, oh, look at Roger Federer in tennis, I'm like, look, tennis is a tier one sport, mate. In tier three sports, which UFC's come out of and now positioned itself as a tier one, and especially in triathlon, without conflict of some capacity, without people saying, I can't believe what you said, and I hate that guy, but I like him, without that underlying discussion happening, you're doomed. Yeah. And, and that's been my frustration with triathlon. I can't even follow the pros. Good luck, honey. Have a great race. I'm like, aren't you racing her? And then communicating on social media to the world that you love each other? Like, give me a break. I don't, I don't understand it. It's like, it's like WWE, it's fixed. Well, it's not fixed, but uh, just, just shot me. You should make up for rivalries, which are important in everything. All right, let's hop in here and give a shout out to the Triathlon Terran podcast. I am really enjoying his shows. You got to go over and check them out. He's over in Kona, so some of his recent shows are with uh, Bob Babbitt. And some other pros, uh, the Wortels, the Wortleys, Wortels. I ah, I don't know how to say their last name up uh, correctly, but it's uh, a husband-wife uh, pro triathlete team. I love those; those are the best. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so cool? And you're like, I I've got to go. I've got to go on a bike ride. And then your spouse is like, Hey, I'll go with you. And you're like, Okay, because you're both pros. You're both the same speed. Both awesome. It'd be so cool. But. My favorite episode so far is the Wahoo founder. 
this is such, his name's Chip. This is such a cool podcast because the guy started off as uh, making something else entirely and then started uh, like boat docks or something like that. And then started, he saw a gap in what was being made out there to connect uh, devices. And so he started making it for himself. He was like running a spreadsheet for him, himself and his cycling buddies. And then the next thing he wanted to do was connect things wirelessly. And then boom, made a company. And during the podcast, Taryn's uh, interviewing him. They're at a an award show, and uh, Chip is getting awards as they're talking <laughs> and being served drinks, like margaritas as part of his uh, part of his awards. It's really, really like a really cool episode. And uh, Taryn has this YouTube channel, and you may be like, you know, I I've seen tons of Taryn's videos, which are all great. Uh, but I've, I've got enough of Taryn because I already know what it's like and I'm, I'm already watching his uh, YouTube stuff. No, the podcasts are like completely different. They're, they're long-form interviews. I'm one of his interviews. Uh, two interviews before me is Mark Allen. I mean, holy crap, that is amazing to have my name anywhere near that guy's name. It's, it's so cool. And Taryn is pulling it off and he's in Hawaii this week. So he'll have the big scoop on all kinds of stuff. So I wanted to give a shout out to triathlon Taryn. We formed an alliance, uh, trying to promote each other's stuff so that you can, uh, have, have some more variety in your podcast world out there. All right. That is the update on Taryn and let's get back to the Maca interview. Here we go. Wait, can you hear me or am I losing you? Yeah, I just walk along, I get passionate about this. No, the, the line started getting a little bit staticky. No, um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, super competitive too, where uh, there was a thing I used to do in high school where I, uh, as a competitive swimmer, I'd get up on the block and I had on purpose like those mirror reflective goggles. Yeah. And I would get up on the block and I'd make sure um, the other guys were up on the block and I would turn and stare at the guy on one side of me until he looked away. <laughs> and then I would, I had water in my mouth and I would spit on the deck, like just to show that I wasn't scared of him. And then I turn and look at the other guy and until he looked away. And, and I also had a swim cap on that said something Finland on it. And people were just terrified of me and we had i already won the race and we hadn't even started yet. 100%, 100%. it's yeah. it's it's real it's funny it must be the goal for the eight because i grew up fighting coaches and having the kids i think they couldn't curse anymore because you, you would be banned in one day no parallel deck and discipline and uh, i still recall even working over a southern international coach and it, they, they picture this is life and death. Like, you're either a competitor, there's one winner, right? There's a hundred of you. It's life and death, guys. Like, it's, it, it sounds very melodramatic, but that was basically the, the, the sports culture that I came through. Right. right. And the modern day, was a, it was very much kill or be killed. Yeah. It, 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 it's a professional sport. There can be only one, right? In yeah. Either you or it's it's your friend. So you make that choice. And for me, it's always been part of my DNA in that sense. You call it competitiveness, but as I used to say to my father, you know, when he said, well, you're being a professional athlete, this is a joke. If you're going to do it, 
you better be the best at it because there's not much there. And, and mm-hmm. it, it was my life. So a lot of people are like, oh, you're very competitive. And, oh, you can't believe you said that. I'm like, guys, it does actually mean a lot to me to win this event. My whole life is vested in this event. My whole thing, what do you want me to go and shake the guy's hand before, like, and hang out for dinner before the race? And, and, and but not my cup of tea, mate. In my head, yeah. he's taking everything that is mine. I don't want to associate with the guy. I don't want to hang out with him. I don't want to... Now, people might go, oh, that's ridiculous, but that's how I viewed it and that's how I worked myself up and that's how I, I, I raced my career and 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 people might say good or bad. I, I, in my head, it spoke very, very good to me, so I, I don't look back with any regrets. You know, I, mean, I should have done it a different way. I won all the titles I wanted to win. I was successful in every event I wanted to be successful at and... Um, and now I look back and go, fantastic. And now a lot of the pros are coming to me going, yeah, but why did this happen and it's not happening to me? I'm like, you're not invested enough in it. <laughs> it doesn't mean the world to you. Like when I lost my first few Conas, in, you know, people go, I can't believe Chris McCoy in 2002 said he was going to win Conan. What an arrogant shit. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Let's go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah like, Let's go back. I always say, we'll go back. Let's go back to 2002 because to reflect on it now is, is I lost a race in three years. I did one Ironman because there was no 70.3 series of venue. Either did ITU or Ironman. I was well the one in ITU. I lost a race in three years. I, I do the first Ironman against the current world champion in my man, Peter Ruby, and the former world champion, um, uh, which is Thomas L. Regal, and all these Liberty Bernard, I beat the shit out of them. I break the push record in my home. So I've done one Ironman won it. I did one half Ironman in Wildflower, break the course record. Of course, why wouldn't I think I wanted to go to Hawaii and win? So when I was asked the question, how do you why? I'm like, well, I didn't come here for a holiday, mate. I'm here to win. Right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's what, and people were mortified that I said that. Now, in hindsight, I lost, but there's no point. Did I ever not think I was going to win the race? I, yeah, I got shit scared. But my whole life, my wife talks about the failed, the October blues. I wouldn't speak for a month. I'd be so disappointed. I had a lose. Right? And I look back now, I think I cannot believe how consumed I was in, 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 in my sport and in myself, I guess. But to me, it was the, the consumption was about goal achieve that's it and everything else was noise white noise i just need to win that thing anything else get out of my way if you're in my way get out <laughs> and, and and i guess that's why i ultimately won these events because i don't think i was the most gifted athlete i don't think i was highly talented i think i was obsessive compulsive achieving what i wanted to achieve and anyone who got in my way i squashed them it sounds like like a target fixation, right? You know yeah. that you should be able to win, and Iron Man is like this puzzle. I'm 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 the same way. Just as an age grouper, I'm always trying to figure out on paper I should be able to qualify for Kona, and trying to figure out the puzzle is just so all-consuming. And yeah. you know, and I'm I'm a bigger guy like you, and I I race in these really hot races because I live in Texas. I really don't have much of a choice. Uh, and and trying to figure out how to train, how to what to eat, um, it does. It just takes you down this spiraling death trap of if if you could just figure out this one thing, or you know what what's actually going to make the big difference for you, you know personally. Um, yes. 
and but uh, but back to the rivalries thing. Um, it, I, I was thinking about that, and like the, one of the biggest movies ever, you know, Star Wars. If there was no, you know, rebels versus the um, the Empire, you got no movie. <laughs> we got a we got a galaxy where everybody's getting along okay great so then nobody's tuning in exactly it's content like a and and yet it's 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 um philosophically and it's just my perception people will argue and and have their own own right but my my belief is that this particularly correct vanilla layer of bullshit like mm. I, I sit there going you honestly don't believe what you're saying yet people buy it like I said people don't buy it I think people know that everything is being said is shit but people don't question anything anymore just sit there and exist and it's become the common norm and I and for that reason it's sport you're getting these outliers in sports like UFC and these and these fundamentals rising because they're going back to adopting robberies, adopting villains, adopting because you don't have to be so politically correct all the time. You know, it's 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 sport. People are passionate about things. You may say things wrong. You know, why? Because that's your best and that's nothing wrong with that. Right? It's, it's the business arm of it that, that is trying to control the direction and, and look and feel of sports that are ultimately instantly crushing it, um, in my opinion. Yeah. My hey. opinion. So sports right, control themselves that are winning. Hey, Maka, is there any way you could get uh, closer to your, to your... Are you near a Wi-Fi hotspot or something like that? You're, you're cutting out a lot. Is there... Oh, it's on the office internet. Okay, so maybe. Hey, let me try. Can I call? Can I call you right back and see if we get a better connection? Yeah, call me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hey there. It's strange. Yeah. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you just fine. <laughs> That's way better, I think. Um, okay. Let's yeah. see. Yeah, you were on a roll, and I wanted to capture all that, and it was just. Nah, so it was at, at points. Yeah, you know, I'm just. Always, I'm always thinking about. Oh, I know. Yeah, I just think like, a good. Man. <laughs> to be, yeah. And then uh, it's ironic because you know I've become really good friends with Norman Sadler, who in my career was probably my biggest rival. We, we uh, raised each other since juniors, and uh, and I'm, I'm glad we survived it. But he was such an intense individual as well that now I actually res- I have a bigger respect for him as a man and an athlete because I knew how vested he was and how vested I was, and we only right. clashed because we both wanted the same thing. And now, as parents, and hey, buddy, how you going? We speak on the phone, and mm-hmm. and I, I think there's a you're stepping away from the, host, the hostility is the wrong word, but you're stepping away from the what it meant to you, and you can look back and appreciate how vested they were in it, and you become you actually bond on that on that simple fact that you're you're the same creature. Is Norman the one that um, had the tire trouble and like threw yes. his bike or had the emotional breakdown on the side of the on the side of the road? So that's normal. Yeah, and that's one of the the most viewed clips in Iron Man is that drama. Yeah. Uh, Chrissy Wellington looking for a CO two cartridge. Um, the earliest Iron Man with the oh god, I cannot believe it's slipping my mind right now because it's the reason everybody got into triathlon. Uh, Julie Moss. Julie Moss. Julie Moss. Yeah, um, you know, barely yeah. making it across the finish line. That's what that's what people tune in for. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so on Kona, 
Um, well, one, on your book, I'm Here to Win, the, I think it was in that book where you, you gave that gel tip where you uh, tore open a gel and just kind of sip on it as you run. It was either in the book or another time you mentioned that. Was that, was that you? Because it's been yeah, a few yeah. years since I heard that. that. Yeah, yeah. That, I wanted to thank you personally for talking about that because I've used that so many times and told so many people about that. It is so cool <laughs> how well that works. And I don't think a yeah. lot of people know that. Yeah, you learn. You, well, you learn the nutrition strategies the hard way. You know, I, I in my my career, I as I said earlier, I failed a lot in, in Ironman. I went and sought every professional advice I could from the Australian Institute of Sport to everything. I had doctors poking and probing me and uh, telling me these perfect eating plans and eating strategies and how to do things. And at the end of the day, you learn the most on the field. And, and a lot of the time it's by trial and error. And uh, yeah, and, and, and that was one of them, sipping your gels and, and how to consume water and not mixing your, your sugars. Things that I was never told by professionals, you just realize, like, if I have that gel, that gel, even then the flavors, you know, I get gut problems, change. If I do, you know, and, and I learned the hard way, that's for sure. Yeah, the, the gel one is open the gel, hold it in your hand and just sip on it gradually as you're going. And then that way it's just trickling in you instead of hitting you all at once. And it's so great. But then people don't want to do it, right? Because they don't want to get sticky stuff all over their hands. And it's like, well, are you going to get sticky stuff in your hands or are you going to just puke? <laughs> you got to choose. Yeah. Um, so on, uh, just to wrap it up with uh, Kona, uh, people would be upset if I didn't ask you this, have you on the show right before Kona. So um, we got Lionel Sanders. Uh, I've heard you talking about him, and he's kind of like the underdog. Everybody wants him to win. Um, yeah. But the big question is, I mean, like he's, he himself says he still has years, uh, two, three, four years uh, at before he's going to be able to win Kona. I just saw a video where he said that. Um, how... What do you think his chances are yet? How fast he'll be able to learn and uh, catch up yeah, to everybody? Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, I think Lionel's a real X factor. I, I think people are drawn to him. People like the underdog. I, you know, Jan Fredino is on our Bahrain team, so I deal with Jan a lot on right. a yearly basis. Um, and I think he, he's struggling a little bit, Jan, in the sense that how do you go? And, and I've been in that position as well. How do you go from hero to to, to the underdog? Everyone bidding for you to suddenly the following year in the space of 12 months, everyone's bidding against you. Oh, I want yeah. him to win. It's like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Yeah. And, and, and it can be quite a confronting thing because you think, hey, everybody loves you. And then suddenly you're reading the thing, I want him to win. You're like, what? I thought yeah. I was your favorite, you know? And, and it's just normal sport, which is, which is great. I think Jan is, is without question the modern day most professional. He's the light years. In front of everybody on professionalism, uh-huh. uh, I agree. Yeah, he's Sebastian. great. He's fantastic in everything he does, and he's obsessed with uh, mm-hmm. with success, and uh, which is which is important. Uh, I just think Lionel brings this this X factor, and and, and I believe he can win this year. I, I it, but if he's not believing it, then it ain't going to happen. You now I got four years left, and every athlete says I got four years left, and suddenly four years is gone, and you think shit. I'm no longer the underdog. I'm no longer a rookie. I'm a veteran, and that happens in the flick of a finger. You know, it goes quick. When you're looking forward, it seems a long way away. When you're looking back, you're like, "Shit, that was yesterday." So you don't have four years, Lionel. 
you don't you do it now right yeah he's, he's saying to get as fast as the fast swimmers and and get out of the water with those guys um yeah yeah he doesn't have to really yeah i uh, know yeah. he doesn't have to and yeah, yeah. the I, thing i, I think i think I'd like to see Lionel. I think Keenlay is going to be strong. I think Ben Hoffman is going to be very strong. I think uh, Lionel's going to be strong. I think Jan's going to be strong. I think what, what yeah, the, the depth in the last few years, with the utmost respect, outside of Keenlay and, 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 and Frodo, it's been a two, two-horse show. And mm-hmm. then there have been other people playing. Um, it doesn't have that six or seven guys that can win. Lionel Sanders is, is this this enigma that's come along that is such an X factor, which is exciting. You're seeing people engaged in this conversation. He's now he's broken yeah. the world record. He's, he's got an incredible story. He's a monster on the bike. He's, he's sort of awkward and, and different. In the sense, he, 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 I love the guy, man. Yeah. He, he is my favorite athlete in triathlon right now because he doesn't cut from the common mold. And and I just I think people are attached to that. Uh, you know, in my headspace, it's uh, uh, last year Jan Frodeno was pushed very very hard by Sebastian Keenlay. Uh, you know, his first win was a, a breeze. He, he didn't get out of second gear, and, and you have these days. And last year he was he was definitely hurt. Uh, yeah. You remember that? You know, you you really remember that? You come in a year after one of those years where things are uncomfortable and it, it, it's quite nerve wracking. Yeah, you hold back and, a little bit. Yeah. You hold back a little bit, and you and you think shit. You remember because it's like a tattoo. It, you, your body quickly reminds you, and, and visually, you're seeing the same shit that you've had in your nightmares for a year. So it's um, yeah. it, it you know you're a little bit tentative. I, I still think Yarn's the man to beat, but I, I would look at those four as doing um as being right up near the front and when, doing something marvelous. When I watch Lionel Sanders on the bike. I, I see something interesting. I mean, the horsepower that he puts out is insane, right? The watts that this guy records. and, and But then there's something. It, you see it on the run, but also on the bike, he seems like he's still pedaling a little bit of squares. Like his knees yeah, he, are out a little bit. And when they should be in more in line or at least more in more yeah. towards the frame. And so he just doesn't look like – he doesn't look like – like a, the uh, an elegant, sophisticated cyclist yet, and I think you lose some efficiency there, and that's where he's losing time on the bike compared to everybody which, else. Which is why you like him, right? He's the ugliest athlete I've ever seen, which is why I'm, I'm barracking for him. He, in boxing, he reminds me of a of a puncher. He's not the you know he's not the Floyd Mayweather or like a Jan Frodeno yeah. who you know is just class, polished, talent, everything wrapped into one. Mm-hmm. He's the Marnie Pacquiao, a little uglier, but, mate, got a knockout punch that if he tags you with it, you're gone. Yeah, you're out. And, and, and that's what I love about That's what I love about him. Everything about him, there is so much more improvement to come, yet he's so bloody good right now, and that's what everybody's scared of. Yeah. And in Kona, more than any other race, all the other Ironmans mean shit. They're easy, right? And, and, and Kona, what's going against Lionel is his size. He's, he's very muscular, especially in, the, in his back. Um, which becomes a heat element, you know. I've always uh-huh. said Kona. He is, yeah. He's he's big in his back. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's, you know, Kona's relatively unfair in that sense. Uh-huh. It's, it, world championships are decided in such extreme conditions, but it's what makes the event cool. Um, but his his sheer determination and and I will never stop and what he's been through and 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 how he prepares. He's he's 
it's scary, right? It, it must be. It's sort of like if, if for the boxing fans, if you go back and you watch the Hands of Stone and um, what's his name, bloody um, Roberto Duran fight fight um, Sugar Ray Leonard in the oh. in the eighties. Yeah. Roberto Duran is a, a, a killer, a fighter, a boxer. Never quit. Never stopped. He did do no muscle in the future, but at that point in his career was the man fighting the most talented, polished, beautiful, in my opinion, probably the greatest boxer of all time, mm-hmm. and he beat him. He beat him on sheer, I, I will die before I let you beat me. Lionel Sanders has that, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. And we all know that, and that's yeah. why everyone's scared, that if he's in a position to win, you ain't going to crack him. He will run over the top here to win, and, and that's what's scary, is that the, 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 the storms that come with an Ironman race, He's had, he's had worse in his life, so he and, and that unpredictability is what's exciting. Whether he'll yeah. beat that polish, maybe he's right. It's, it's too early, but I'm interested to see it. He's, he's come a long way. He wasn't going to race this year, so the fact that he's raced is, is interesting. Means he's he's, he's feeling something that he might have a chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Josh Amber, Josh Amberger, in my opinion, is the best swim biker at the moment. Top in the, in the top five guys on the planet uh-huh. in, in this racing. And at and Ticton at the at the long course worlds, Lionel Lionel consumed him very quickly on the bike after a five or six minute lead. Got a flat tire, fixed his flat tire awkwardly, caught him up again on the run and, and won the race. Right, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, this this guy's amazing, but he's he's yet to do anything of substance in 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 Kona. And if you're a static tissue, which I am, you tend to look at stats. Unless you finish in the top four in Kona, twenty one out of the last twenty two years. Mm-hmm. The winner has finished in the top four the year before. Yeah. So without very that, rare. Yeah. To that's rare. yeah. Yeah. Very. So yeah, but look at those guys in particular. I don't. I don't think. Um, you know, they're the guys I'd be. I'd be studying. And and fortunately for me, two of them on the Bahrain team. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's good. So uh, Pete Jacobs, um, are you excited to see him back as well and and racing? Yeah, I love Pete. He's a, he's a good friend. He's I. I I, uh, I think he's he's not the athlete he once was. Uh, you know, I I think he's you know, Pete was such a, a dynamic talent. He had these two glorious years of racing. He was just on fire. He was, um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and and he, he secured the, the, the big. He won he won Kona, but I don't think Pete ever understood why he was good. He never under, he never went. He never really kept diaries. He never kept that, that kind of information. He never really captured why he was racing so well. And he's found a lot of time since then trying to find what worked. And uh, but I think Pete's awkwardness has been his biggest biggest uh, talent. So uh, it's good to see him back racing. I'd love to see him up near the pointy end. I just don't think he has the the base, the, the horsepower, or anything to do yeah. to do much. But I'd love him to to. Um, to, to show me that's not the case because I got a lot of time for it. Yeah, I love that story you had about uh, sitting at a cafe with him and somebody came up and started talking to you about you winning uh, Kona and Pete Jacobs was right there and he just won. <laughs> You're like, what about this guy? He just won. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, it was me, me and Crowey. Me and Crowey. Oh, it was Crowey. Yeah, yeah. That was me and Crowey and Pete were in Australia. Yeah. And me and Crowey were having a chat and talking about things. And the guy came over to Pete, who just won. Oh, okay. and said, can you take a photo? <laughs> of me with these other guys. Me and Crowey. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this guy just won, man. Like, you should get him with the photo. Yeah. Cool, Pete. Um, yeah. What about uh, Alistair Brownlee? He did St. George and just 
wrecked that place and I think it was St. George, right? The 70.3? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, but I, I was unaware he had a, a hamstring surgery, so I guess that'll set him back a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. But he, everybody was like, well, he can't do, be that great because the transition from uh, ITU to half Ironman, it's not that much different, but it is different. But yeah, man, yeah. he just went out there and just destroyed it. Um, the, the, yeah. What, what people what people don't understand about Alistair Brownlee and Javier Gomez, and you're now seeing it with Jan Fredino and in a different area, sort of with myself and, and ITU athletes coming across, don't believe the hype on Ironman. The best athletes on the planet, without question, no, I'll argue it till the day I die, in the multi-sport space, are currently doing ITU racing. Right? And, and they, when they decide to come across, like, Alistair and, and, and Javier have done. Javier just won his second 70.3 world title doing a month's training for it. They will kick the shit out of everybody. Yeah. Right? There's a, it's not even comparable. And, and, and Jan Frodeno is an people forget, Olympic champion. Mm. An Olympic freaking champion, man. He's the dual uh, Ironman world champion. And we're talking, he's a world record holder. He's, he's out of this world. That, that transition up, what? Is, you are is talented as they're flawless athletes and Alistair Brownlee Nelly. is without question in my lifetime the greatest competitor in multi-sport space that has ever existed. Hi, He's been Brad fortunate to have Javier Gomez who is probably the most rounded track lead that has I ever existed in life. Now Jan Fredino was the most rounded track lead that has ever existed in life. Now Jan Fredino was the most a lot more for war right now Jan would agree he's racing guys that he's got mentally and physically covered on his best day mm. and, and what's very very difficult to to do as an athlete and, and I, I was first confronted with it by a guy called Simon Whitfield who won the Olympics um, is to realize that your best and their best they're better than you mm-hmm. physically right in, in, in that style of racing and, and you know it. You get that feeling when you race something like, shit, I can't go any quicker than this, and this guy's got another kid. I know, kid. yeah. And, I see it yeah. when my uh, son plays soccer, and he's, he's just a regular, he's, he's fast, right? But there's kids on the soccer field that accelerate towards the yes. ball like I've never, uh, never seen in my entire life. And those kids, those guys are fast. They're, yeah, gen- they're genetic freaks, the, the way that they can cover the entire field. And they're not even trying. They're yeah, different. as an athlete, as an athlete, that only becomes a problem when you realise that. Yeah, right. <laughs> when you're the athlete, it's one thing to be seen, but a lot of the time you're convincing yourself of all the reasons why you're the greatest. Uh-huh. And I'm not to kick your ass. Well, when you have your day and you and you look and you and you've been in fights and wars with these guys and they and they and you feel the one thing about racing someone is you feel what they are. You know, I I, I said to Norman the other day, and I've said it to Crowey. You, you have a respect for an individual when you go to war with them in an endurance race mm-hmm. because you, you actually are talking to each other without talking. You're talking through action. You talk, and you think, God, you're a tough guy. You get to feel what they're made of. Mm-hmm. Like a public persona is horseshit. You can't hide on the, on the race field, whether you're winning or losing and you're having these fights and, and you're in agony and you're stripped to your core, you, you, get, you get a real appreciation of the underlying competitiveness and the underlying drive of an individual outside yeah i saw that the way that conor mcgregor um when he got beat by nate diaz the way he professionally said you beat me was 
totally changed my opinion about Connor. Yeah, uh, agree. I never saw. I never expected that that professionalism because it was such trash talking up until then. And then he got beat, and he said, "You know what? I got beat, and this is uh, Nate. Is he was a better athlete tonight? He really got me, and and uh, I accept this." Yeah, it was, silly, it was silly to fight at 170 pounds, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, it, arrogance got him in trouble. He fought yeah. once he the next fight, and it was a better fight. You know, that's why they have, I said, hey, Connor, that's why they have weight divisions in boxing. That's man. right. It, yeah. It's a huge difference. But, uh, no, but that's, that's, that's where I think with, with Alistair Brownlee and these guys, uh, in, in a perfect world, I hope Alistair never goes to Ironman. I, th- I think he should go to Tokyo. He should capture two more Olympic gold medals. He should be knighted. He's bigger than I am, man. In my, uh-huh. in my head, he, you know, he's suddenly got four Olympic gold medals if he wins the mixed relay. You're in, you're in the Redgrave class in within sport. You know, uh-huh. anyway, I mean, who cares? Win some seventy point three world titles. We we talked about this in Jersey. I said, guys like Alistair's engine is huge. He has massive aerobic capacity, but his body's quite fragile. I don't think it would would survive a lot of the Ironman work. Oh to, yeah, he does get injured some, doesn't he? The, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he, when, when you put a hot enough engine in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a body like that, it goes so quick it blows valves, right? It blows yeah. hamstrings and stuff. But when that thing's on, when that thing is tuned and everything's right, it's unbeatable. Right. And, and I, I meant to some degree is a little bit like a, a car that's been beaten up. It's not too polished. It's got a nice engine that can perform but has to survive the, 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 the workload and the, and the racing, which I just sometimes I question whether his body can do that. It will do that multiple times in Ironman's. But in order to have a career that's valuable, he needs to win three, four, five Konas, right? Yeah, that's true. I don't, I don't think he needs that. Winning one is like, man, McKeeley Jones did that. Um, you, you need that legacy for him. His legacy should be multiple Olympic gold medals, of which I think he can win four, potentially five. And you are you are a sports icon, not a triathlon icon. Right. And, and Javier Gomez can go along and he'll win as many Konas as he puts his mind to. He's, he's marvelous. Wow. Well, Maka, yeah. thank you so much. Um, it's been awesome talking shop with you on this. Oh, no worries. Yeah. It's taking long running around the world. But <laughs> well, I could totally understand when you were telling me about your schedule. I was like, wow. And that's, that, that was one question I forgot to ask you. Like the, the whole thing of the key to, it seems like the key to a smooth pro retirement is, like you said earlier, to have a life outside of being a pro, right? And and things to transition to and then you're busy when when you yeah. when you switch I, I, over yeah i think i have been i think the transition and, and it's it's a you know I've, a lot of my friends is is a lot of you know it's it's, it's it's a serious topic a lot of friends of mine in australia have been have, have committed suicide and and that i oh, know wow. quite in other sports and uh-huh. in this transition from professional sport to to the real life and mm-hmm. i always can treat it like you're almost like a drug addict you know sport has these massive highs these massive lows so it's not this consistent um you know dopamine and, and serotonin hit that you have in normal life which is what you know in sport you're like really high like a rock star then the next minute you're, you're trying you know this this structure and consistency and these highs and lows sort of shape the world as you know for so long then that stops and you try and fit back in and you and and you, you, you've been identified you've identified yourself as, as this individual and i think you know that transition across is not just being busy. It's 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 keeping the passion for what what it is you've done and do, and, and finding that in another area and applying the same principles of major great athlete in that area. I 
I always found the transition really, really easy. Mm. And what, if anything, what it showed me was one of my peers had transitioned down. I'm like, dude, why aren't you the same killer that you were in sport in, the, in this world? Why was, you know, were you an actor or, you know, how, how are you struggling so much? You're just becoming a cliche, like, I'll be a coach and I'll do this and I'll, I'm like, dude, like, you're so much more than that. You're, you're an intelligent, driven, well, fine, let, let's do something together. Let's, let's, you know, let's create something. But it's this, it's this, this fear. I don't know what it is. And I, I just always... Well, then you you started off with um, in college, right? With a working on a some like a business degree or economics or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was a banker and I finished college. And yeah, so you're kind of familiar with that somewhat already. Some business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My father was disappointed that I became a triathlete, but I was. Yeah. I think there's a lot of educated guys. What What happens when you, you get out? You you have no work experience. You know, you get out despite your college degree. No one's going to employ a forty year old. Like, what was your last job? I worked at Sizzler when I was at college. You know, <laughs> Sizzler. <laughs> That's right. Really, yeah, it doesn't really resonate when you're trying to get a job. So no, it does. You, have to, you have to be relatively entrepreneurial or, 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 or become what they tend to do is become coaches and stay involved in, in, in what they feel comfortable and know. But I, I always say I think being a great athlete is about being courageous and, and doing things and and I'm a big believer that a lot of athletes are amazing employees and amazing mm. guys, but they don't believe in themselves. When they get out of that cop, that familiar environment, they struggle, and that and, and it, 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 it's it's a shame. It's a, because they are amazing, and yeah. and and I've always found it very easy. I came to Thailand. I moved to Asia when I went back to Australia. We moved to Asia. We built a 250 million dollar training center. I remember all my friends are like, "What do you know about Thailand? You can't even hang up a." Hang up a, a painting on the wall. I'm like, I don't, mate. You're 100 percent right. I don't know much, but it's not rocket science. Basically, no. coordinate people. I get the go, and that's what we did. We built Tanyapura. It's the best sports resort in Asia. And from there, we went to Bahrain, and now we got Super League. And I thoroughly enjoyed the last five years. So I, I actually enjoy this more than I did the actual racing. I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a less. I'm, I'm less of a selfish individual now. You know, it was so about me when you're a racer. It was so driven around. Now in in the corporate world, it's 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 much more outwardly. I'm doing Super League for the professionals for for, for yeah. a bigger core. I'm doing the Bahrain team for a bigger clause. I'm doing we built the sports center, and it's an enjoyable process. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. You're doing it for somebody else. It kind of gives you more energy. Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. does. It really does. Yeah. So. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Maka, and no uh, I'll let you go. And and um, again, it's it's so awesome talking to you. Uh, I only I only interview people on my show. It's the longest running uh, triathlon podcast, and I only interview people if the interview happens organically. That way, I, I know yeah, both yeah. people want to be on. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, your friend uh, uh, Joanne um, yeah, put us correct. in touch, and I yeah, said cool. we have we got to make this happen. This is so cool. So big props to her, Joanne Baxis. Yeah, thank Thanks, Jojo. She's uh, part of the MacroX community, a legend, absolute yeah. legend. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. No worries. Okay. Talk to you later. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Bye. All right. That is the interview. Thank you so much, Maca, for getting on Zentry. That's a such a huge score for our show. Uh, like I say in the interview, you know, I try to let these these interviews um, happen organically. Instead of going out and pestering somebody and then having kind of a so-so interview, I uh, try to get somebody on that's interested in being on, and then we have great interviews all the time. It's a good way to go through life. 
you know? Work with people that want to work with you. And then everything you do is so much, so much fun. Uh, let's see. Joanne Baxis, JoJo, is the one that got us together. A huge shout out to her and uh, what she's doing with uh, Maca X. Maca X is Maca's uh, triathlon training team, kind of like a club. And uh, they're big, 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 and having a lot of fun. And if you ever do go check out um, Maca's book, I'm Here to Win, it's an audible, uh, it's an audiobook. It might be on audible.com. It's an audiobook format too. And that's the way I suggest listening to it because. <laughs> I don't think it's like Maca may say the foreword, but then he has a professional guy, you know, do reading the whole book, and the other guy has an Australian accent, maybe even stronger than Maca, and it's awesome. My favorite part of the entire book is where he's talking about taurine, which is like the stuff in Red Bull, and he says taurine is good for your heart, like that. So get his book, listen to it, and listen to that, listen for that one part because that's my favorite. You'll love it too. <laughs> All right, uh, bad news out of Kona. I'm recording this Thursday morning. It looks like Tim Don got hit by a car either yesterday morning or, or uh, this morning. And he's going to be okay, supposedly, eventually, but he's out of the race. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not good. And I think that's it. So next episode, uh, we're going to talk, hopefully, we're going to do a review of uh, what went down at Kona. And we're going to talk about uh, some Zen stuff. I'm planning on talking about uh, margins and creating margins for yourself and the benefits of that. And unfortunately, I won't be able to uh, watch the race entirely live because I'm going to be in the woods doing uh, some clearing and cleanup of land for the uh, Boy Scout troop. And we're going to, um, we're doing this uh, big camp out thing and, uh, we haven't camped there in a while, so we got to go out there the weekend ahead of time and uh, clear it. And that's going to take all afternoon. And it's it's scheduled the same day as Kona, same time. And um, I would say, you know, I can't because I'm watching Kona. But the other people in the Boy Scout troop don't care. It just shows you how small triathlon is, you know. <laughs> they have no idea. They won't even know what I'm talking about. And also... Um, Next episode, I do have a, a funny interview with uh, Emily talking about uh, her training and how she puts exclamation points all over everything. That's a funny one. Oh, we do need to give a shout out to a couple more sponsors. We got, uh, or some just discounts for you guys. Uh, can is the uh, super starch that we use and... Um, you can get 25% off. Is it 25? I don't think it's 25. I think it's like 15%. Let me go look. At uh, On UCAN's website with discount code ZEN. Let me get my discount codes up. And we have Amrita bars, which I eat. I ate one last night before I went for my run and had a PR on my run. My plantar fasciitis is healing up just fine, which I'm super excited about. And... Yeah, let's back up here a second. You can. The discount code is ZENTRY. 15% off. Salt Stick. Oh my gosh. We cannot forget Salt Stick. I add their uh, electrolytes to lots of my uh, food and water. I just sprinkled regular salt just now on some kale while I was eating it. You need your electrolytes. 25% off with discount code ZENTRY25. And that's if you go to... 
saltstick.com slash zentry. They keep track of who goes there, and make sure you go there and help support the show and get yourself some electrolytes, okay? And we also have, yeah, Amrita Bars is uh, discount code ZEN, and that gets you 15% off. And also, uh, we've got donations. I'll mention them next show because we need to get this show out real quick. Um, But we do have How to Get Hornet Juice. Oh my gosh, I had my best swim ever. I did uh, an hour nonstop and swam a 119 pace, 119 per 100 yards, flat, not rounding up. Just one, I mean, flat. And you can look at it on Instagram, Zentrathlon on Instagram. I took a picture of it. Zero, it's one hour flat, and I swam a 119 pace. It's crazy. And uh, about half an hour before I swam, I took a serving of Hornet juice. And Hornet juice is a, an amino acid powder that helps turn on your fat burning so you got more energy. And I think that might be my fastest swim ever for a workout just cruising during a workout, all done because of Hornet Juice. You can check that out on the right-hand side of zentrathlon.com. You get these packets of it, and it's like one packet for every hour and a half of working out. So you can just two packets for three hours, and you get a lot more energy. You feel like a diesel engine. And, oh, yeah, back to Salt Stick. You go to saltstick.com slash zentry, and the password is zentry. How about that? (laughs) And that gets you in there so you can get your discount. So, yeah, look forward for uh, the next episode. And uh, stay tuned. And everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. How would you like to become an endurance monster? Get coached for your next big endurance event by yours truly, Coach Brett from Zentry. For only $1.99 a month, I build you a completely custom triathlon training plan using the industry's gold standard training platform. With Training Peaks, you can easily go online, see what your workouts are, then upload your results seamlessly that very same day. Then I build your next training block based on how you've been doing. I review every single workout and provide comments on what I'm seeing that you've done great and where we need to improve. If you want to get faster, better, stronger, and be able to go longer, don't do it alone. Reach out to me and we can work together with my depth of experience and get you to the finish line as fast as possible. Send me an email texafornia at gmail.com. That's T-E-X-A-F-O-R 
NIA Texafornia at gmail.com and put coaching in the subject line. See you at the start line.